With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Critically analyzing global affairs. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. As you might notice, I'm not in my usual place. I'm, I'm um, on the road in a hotel here right outside uh, the Greater Reset. So some folks are out in Davos. Uh, we're, I'm here at the anti-Davos in Mexico, Derek Bros's Greater Reset. Uh, you, you'll be able to watch live the greaterreset.org. Uh, and um, you can watch the recordings afterward. And um, we'll, I'll see who I can grab tomorrow. I've got no idea what the broadcast will look like <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, and so, um, yeah, we got Terry Wolf coming up. It's, it is Terry Tuesday. And Bill, Holt, Bill Holter should be joining us, um, second hour economic expert. I had him on once before. He's frequently on um, USA Watchdog, Greg, Greg Hunter's program. And so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, what do we got going on in the world? The global civil war, um, I've previously mentioned, has been Ecuador, Papua New Guinea, now Poland, expert warns of civil war risk in Poland amid escalating political tensions. You know, you, you should really go back and read the book by my past guest, William I. Robinson, Global Civil War, uh, and my podcast with him. He really details this, and I think he, he nails it uh, on the head. This is a global systemic crisis, which is why you're seeing governments collapse, um, you know, one by one. Uh, and so it says the current political situation in Poland, characterized by mass protests and contentious actions by the governing coalition, could potentially lead to civil war. Fun times. Yeah. But again, if you can understand how the world works, these sorts of things will not be a surprise to you. Um, some neo-feudal Great Reset news being reported in the UK. Average car insurance cost in UK nears £1,000 after prices rise 58%. I was talking to some Mexicans over the weekend about similar issues here. Again, they want to price us out of being able to own the basics, a home, a car, they just want us to have our head barely above water uh and so that's what's happening in the uk with uh, car insurance and we already know uh there are some uh, insurance companies discussing how they don't want to uh, they won't want to um insure gas-powered vehicles in the future we have um just along those same lines there was this alaska air flight where the door blew off passengers want to sue boeing and it's just kind of odd i keep hearing hearing now all, of all of these uh issues on on, on planes increasingly it, again it's almost like them trying to allow the airline industry for the middle class to collapse they've got their private jets jets you know they, they don't care about us john Kerry, bill gates cobra commander Klaus. Uh, and so it's kind of isn't it interesting that all of a sudden, you know, uh, the, the doors are blowing off airplanes for us serfs and plebs. Uh, you may have already heard of Vivek Ramaswamy. I was kind of surprised yesterday. He's, he suspended his campaign and endorsed Trump. And the very first thing that came to my mind was this report from like a week ago where it said Ramaswamy sold. Why is it always got to be 33? $33 million in Royvon stock. Um, that's his biotech company. Some people have done analysis. I've seen videos of, of Vivek and, and this his biotech company or some Alzheimer drug that maybe was a pump and dump scam. And so, it's, you know, th this it's this is the Hill reporting a week or two ago saying he was planning to use his first campaign, which now doesn't exist. So I'm wondering, you know, what, what's going on here? I just find it interesting. What was... Um, was his campaign cover for him pumping and dumping and and getting this money out i got no idea but um i don't trust any politician sorry not even vivek he talks smooth i really don't trust um anyone at this juncture desantis is coming out uh second uh, in the gop caucus and uh never neocon nikki the second coming of hillary is um 
in third. So I just found that um, interesting. And this was a crazy story um, about Gonzalo Lira. It's unconfirmed coming from Mark Crispin Miller. And it says, again, well, this is coming from Alina Lip, uh, her telegram. And it says that outrageous facts have come to light about the murder of Gonzalo Lira, who was uh, tortured to death in Ukraine, uh, in CISO, a Kiev pre-trial detention center in a special wing controlled by the SBU, apparently was the victim of extortionists. So CISO employees and an SBU agent extorted order of a million dollars from Gonzalo for a change of preventative uh, treatment. The vice consul of the U.S. Embassy who dealt with the problems of Lira knew about the blackmail and twice wrote a statement to the SBU and the OP. As a result, the extortionists began demanding $500,000 for Lira's transfer at his own expense. Um, absolutely crazy if that's true. So we have to uh, await further um, info uh, on, 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 the, on that. Uh, what else we have going on? This is pretty crazy. Uh, Peru's, so this is coming from Ben Norton, his summary, but he says Peru's unelected right-wing dictatorship, dictatorship strongly supported by the U.S., which overthrew the democratically elected left-wing president uh, Pedro Castillo and imprisoned him without trial. N they're looking now to put the former president of Peru, Pedro Castillo, in jail for 34 years. How about them apples? To put the former president of Peru, Pedro Castillo, in jail for 34 years. How about them apples? That is pretty um, insane. So, uh, yeah, a lot more stuff going on. Real quick, a reminder to give TNT uh, a follow. We're on all the major social platforms, slowly growing over there on Twitter X. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Gab, Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This week, the annual Masters of the Universe meeting, World Economic Forum, uh, out in, it has kicked off in Davos. And considering the sheer number of powerful and filthy rich people confined to one small space all at once, it comes as no surprise that Mr. Zelensky was in attendance pleading with international leadership to extend more security assistance to his embattled nation as it attempts to fend off Russian forces for a second winter. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. Uh, yep, uh, good old Zelensky. He was out there at the annual conference of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, not rubbing elbows, but begging for table scraps, apparently. Uh, just kidding. But uh, the leader was pressing international allies and corporate leaders to enforce sanctions and help to rebuild Ukraine. Uh, yeah. Uh, he said that the stakes were high not only for Ukraine, but also for the rest of the world. Mr. Zelensky said, quote, anyone who thinks this is only about us, this is only about Ukraine, they are fundamentally mistaken. Putin embodies war, end quote. I'm so happy I get to do my Zelensky impression again. Uh, Mr. Zelensky's comments come as international focus on Russia's war continues to wane in relation to concern over Israel's war in Gaza, which has sparked concerns about a wider regional conflict. Mr. Zelensky announced on Monday uh, plans to hold a quote-unquote global peace summit to outline a path to ending the war. Sounds nice, except there's a catch. Uh, both Ukrainian and Russian leadership refuse at present to accept a negotiated settlement. Uh, Zelensky said last week that a ceasefire would benefit Russian aggression and not lead to political dialogue. Rather, he said peace plans should mandate the expulsion of all Russian troops from occupied parts of Ukraine. For its part, Moscow portrays the conflict as necessary to counter a perceived threat that could arise if Ukraine joins NATO. As recently as last month, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin said he would not withdraw Russian troops from Ukraine until they had achieved Ukraine's total demilitarization and permanent neutrality, which would effectively render Ukraine a Russian vassal state. Mr. Putin said during a press conference, quote, there will be peace when we achieve our goals, victory 
will be ours, end quote. Despite tough talk from both sides, fighting in Ukraine has drawn to a brutal stalemate, with neither side able to effectively gain ground for the time being. Mr. Zelensky's ongoing ongoing tour, excuse me, through Europe owes in large part to recognition of the situation on the ground and an understanding that American support for Ukraine would likely crater should former President Donald Trump be reelected later in the year. And it sure seems that the signaling is there. Uh, Mr. Trump overwhelmingly won caucuses in Iowa uh, just yesterday, signaling his continued dominance in the Republican Party. So looks to me like uh, Zelensky needs to start um, raising funds elsewhere. Havori, what do you think? Yeah, a lot is going on. You know, I, I, I saw, uh, you know, Zelensky tweeted out he's as you mentioned, looking for support, but he's also looking to put together this global peace summit at the level of leaders in Switzerland. Uh, and then at the same time, I guess today, there's been this speech by Putin. Um, also fascinating stuff coming out of there. Uh, I mean, we, we could all just sit down for 24 hours and, and um, if so much is going on. We have to follow what's happening in Davos with Zelensky, with Putin, um, elsewhere, reading these speeches. Putin, you know, he's, he says he came out and said the U.S. elections were rigged by postal uh, voting. And he goes on to discuss Ukraine. He's saying Russia's not going to abandon the the territories. Forget it. It's not, you know, it's not going to um, happen. They're not going to abandon their gains. And so it's really, you know, it's it does seem like they are winding down Ukraine as they're winding up middle east and 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 elsewhere but i just have no idea what you know um how the ukraine situation will end <laughs> because putin's like i'm not giving up territories uh may, you know may, maybe america you know washington london and brussels will agree uh and and give zelensky the short end uh of the stick but um i i guess we'll see. and there was also another report um, from Politico about how a big Chinese delegation uh, arrived in Davos, which was unnerving U.S. diplomats. And so U.S. diplomats have been so worried about the size and intent of a Chinese delegation in Switzerland that they're trying to arrange uh, a meeting between Blinken with the Swiss uh, official. Uh, and I think, you know, this may have to do with as well peace talks for um, Ukraine among other things. Uh, your further thoughts, Ruckus? Yeah, you, you mentioned that we we have a, a bit of a presence there as well. Uh, the U.S. government in the form of our secretary of state, as well as the White House National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. Both Sullivan and Blinken actually met with Davos. I mean, met with uh, Zelensky on the sidelines of the, the Davos thing. So I had no idea. This is this is where America's business gets done on the sidelines now. Hervori is uh, with the rest of the world's elites in Davos. I guess that that's a good sign. I guess we still have a place at the table, right? I don't know. <laughs> or is America going to be sidelined on the sideline? <laughs> I like them, uh, Apple. All right. Well, it's definitely going to be an insane week um, all over the place. North Korea talking about war. We're at the anti-Davos here down in Mexico. You got the Davos. You got so many things going on. All right, Ruckus, catch up with you in a bit. We got Terry Wolf coming on. We'll be right back. TNT's Timothy Shea. The race is essentially now Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. Ron disappoints us. We'll be pulling his hat from the ring next and the issue as always is why is the nikki taking so much of the left's money well maybe this will give you a little insight she credits hillary clinton with inspiring her to enter politics having attended a women's leadership summit at which hillary spoke and nikki said and i quote I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters, want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. I'm just going to do a little voice up. Maybe one lump on TV. 
I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me, and I was trying to figure it out, and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. It sounds pretty good. It's it like, sounds real, dude. It's not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's Terry Tuesday. Joining us is Terry Wolf from FEMA Region 11, as I like to call it, up in Canada, uh, out in Manitoba. I'm down here in uh, somewhere in Mexico. Uh, check out his website, wolfpox.com, winterchristian.substack.com. He's got a bunch of books. How's life, Terry? Are you feeling better? Uh, I am feeling better. I recovered, um, you know, but then right afterwards, you have this polar vortex uh, hellscape that, you know, most of America is feeling, actually. I saw the weather maps. It's going all the way down to Texas, and and I, I'm guessing you're still in the safe zone, probably enjoying nice weather. But um, where I am, just yesterday, I was, you know, I, I have to say, I'm so thankful that we do not operate off of electric here in Manitoba because yesterday I had to try to help somebody replace their car battery on the side of a road, and I'm sitting out there, you know, minus thirty degrees Celsius winds uh, blowing in. We're taking turns sitting in my car trying to warm up so that, you know, we can help this person. And um, very frustrating. My my toes, I couldn't feel them by the end of it. But, um, you know, this is, that was a person's battery that shut off while they were driving. Um, I guess they had the heater cranked all the way up, the headlights on because it's always dark. And, you know, they hadn't charged their battery enough. And their battery could die while they're driving. Now, imagine a electric-powered vehicle that has no ignition source that's, you know, an alternator giving it power as it's driving. Um, this is, you know, I was just thinking what a nightmare it was. The electrical grid itself having to support all these people that would be constantly, uh, you know, even my home is natural gas, right? So... The electrical grid in Canada would never be able to support um, the electric heating and vehicle charging that this big green revolution wants to have. And I would say this too, when I got home, I was out there for probably about an hour helping. And when I got home, you know, I just had my phone in my insulated jacket pocket, I had this huge parka on, but... I couldn't even charge it. The battery went to about 10%. It was fully charged when I went out there. Just from being in the cold, the battery almost died. And I tried to charge it, and I've never seen it before. The battery icon was blinking and just refused to charge because I guess it was ice cold. So I don't know what would happen if I had a car that's parked outside in this weather, a lithium-ion battery like my phone has. Um, you know, I, I I don't even imagine it would charge properly. So... What a terrifying vision of they're they're trying to ban, you know, gas powered cars in Canada in the next couple of years. Like, what is going to happen to us? It's basically a death sentence. 
That, that reminds me of, of a time that I got stranded in the cold out in Mongolia. We were visiting nomads outside the village and it was the same type of weather and something broke down with the car. I don't know if it was a battery or what, but we were outside the village literally in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but you could see from a very far distance, the village and the driver, I, I guess he went walking to the village and we were out there for I don't know how long, hours upon hours. It was absolutely freezing cold. And I can still remember, I was like, when is this guy going to get back? Like, and there were kids in the, in the, in the Jeep and it was just, it was uh, freezing. And then you, you brought to my attention this story from my hometown of, of Chicago, which I shared where all these uh, Tesla EVs are just dying. They're not working. The charging stations aren't working. I had someone in my telegram, um, one of the people chat. I don't know if I believe this. They, they said there were some. They were somewhere in Finland or Norway, and the Teslas there had no problem. Uh, you know, I don't know. But how is it that you know, if you're saying in your northern Europe you're not having problems, but in Chicago they're all just not they're not working. Uh, you know, your, your further thoughts on what, what's uh, transpiring with some of these EVs? Yeah, that it was an amazing video. This guy was commenting on how. You, and there was footage of it. You could see these parking lots with these super expensive Teslas, brand new, you know, sitting there in a parking lot, snowed over and freezing and the, sitting right next to the charging station. But the charging station itself isn't working because there was something about ice or it was damp or something like that. I suspect based on what my phone was doing that the, the batteries itself at some point, if it gets cold enough, just might not charge properly. And so people were abandoning their Teslas. Imagine doing that with such an expensive car in Chicago, of all places. You know, you're just sitting there. You're just going to let your Tesla sit there. What if somebody just tows it away or just steals it or breaks into it or something like that? So it really is this vision where it's like one winter, one cold snap, and suddenly your vehicle that's supposed to keep you safe and warm and get you from place to place instead you're just leaving it there for anyone to come and access and and you have to get a ride from a friend or something because life goes on. It's not going to wait for you and your EV. Um, it's terrifying. And it, it is actually making people, according to the story that I saw, um, reconsider what what to do because it, these, these cars were designed in LA. They were designed in places that don't have snow and cold like the rest of uh, North America. So... Yeah, I'd be very curious if anyone has more examples of this, uh, send them our way. We love to see real world examples like this. And yeah, speaking of cars in, in Chicago, again, the, 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 the only time so far that I've stared down the barrel of a gun was in Chicago on the north side near my home. And um, there was another occasion, this was about 20 some years ago, where it was like uh, the middle of the afternoon, maybe late afternoon. And in my parents, they had some junk minivan parked outside um, in front of the house. And there was a young teenager sitting at the wheel. Like, you know, we're all minding our business. I was taking a nap and uh, someone started shouting and someone is, they broke into our car and they're sitting at the wheel. I don't know if they were trying to hot, hot wire it or what. And then all this, all of us, like five people running out of the, the the house is screaming that this teenager got out and ran down the alley he, you know Jeez. he could have been armed but uh it was just hey that's chicago you know that's chicago for you <laughs> so uh all right we're gonna jump to our headlines and action the news tnt radio news for tnt this is james o'neill Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy has dropped out of the race for the White House after finishing fourth in the first GOP primary of 2024. A U.S. Navy SEAL team has boarded and seized a boat carrying what the U.S. Central Command suspects is a shipment of Iranian weapons intended for the Houthi rebel forces in Yemen. Tesla supercharging stations in Chicago have been overwhelmed due to the extreme cold, leading some residents to describe them as Tesla graveyards. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're with Terry Wolf of wolfpox.com. And just, Terry, on the EVs and the cold, what's sort of your takeaway? Because I just saw a clip of John Kerry at Davos talking about climate change and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you. I was just, I was re-watching it. It just seems like, 
you can tell he doesn't even believe this. I mean, someone reported he's got a home right on the water somewhere. And just the way that he's talking about, we need everyone to come together on the climate and the carbon, all this and that. And it's like, he doesn't even believe it. And it's all about totalitarian world government. It's simply, it's just about world government. And I don't know. I mean, what are they trying to do with this, the, the, this insanity, like EVs and other things that are just destroying civilization? Well, I mean, yes. I mean, in the sense that it even how they get the lithium, how the, every part of the process, it is more environmentally damaging than than gas powered cars to manufacture them. If something happens with the batteries, um, they become very dangerous. They can explode. There's footage all the time, if you bother to pay attention to it, of these things setting on fire and nobody can put them out because it's not a normal fire. Um, and yeah, all the studies insurance rates are crazy because you can't repair these things if they get damaged you have to basically replace the entire battery all at once if you get in a little fender bender it, it is a disaster and it's a scam so one side of it is this huge financial scam with carbon credits and the why they're making them in the first place um, and then obviously people who are on the government regulatory panels and congress or whatever they can invest in these companies and then pass regulation forcing people to buy them. And so then it's a quick way to, you know, for these people to make their money in the sense of the control grid though. I mean, I think that's that's the biggest picture, uh, highest level view of it is to have electronic vehicles that are ultimately going to be driverless or they are going to be so regulated on a digital level that, um, you know, it, it's basically a taxi service where you get into your own car and ask it to take you somewhere and it tells you whether it is willing to or not. Like, um, I think it's about controlling people and in in the near term, maybe about creating such a headache that there's another solution yet that they're going to try to get to um beyond that so that personal vehicles period are considered to be unworkable and then everything has to be public transport or something like that but uh, we know that they don't like the they want 15 minute cities they want us to not be able to travel freely um they're saying tourism is evil and everything is bad for the environment if it is related to personal freedom um, so i think the ev disaster is a calculated um a calculated level of incompetency that is just a common theme everywhere and that's that's really the orwellian you know march that we're on here is not a perfect military police state where you are being watched and everything is monitored perfectly it's more like everything just is regulated and taxed and made worse just made into junk until the point where um you end up in the same place with no freedoms and always being watched and nothing works properly and except it's coming out of your pocket because it's still presented as a as a free market and you have the choice you know you can choose to walk somewhere or something like that yeah and it reminds me there's this episode of black mirror where it's exactly that i mean i i very much enjoyed that series in a weird <laughs> way very dystopian but a lot of it's coming to pass and uh there was one episode where um there were like no cars everyone just hopped into an uber and it took them everywhere but then again that becomes they can limit your access to that if you are a, a dissident and you know just today i drove a couple of hours to the conference here speeding along so much freedom you know just speeding down the highway i can go anywhere wherever i want and they want to take that away from us, you know? Uh, and and so uh, to get your thoughts on what's happening in Canada, you've been um, in, in your feed sharing stuff about how the housing is, is uh, some crazy clips that I saw of how the housing is getting so expensive. And, you know, we're, we're seeing the same case everywhere. I had a guest on yesterday from Alaska, Leighton uh, Radner, I think his name. He was saying the same thing. Like uh, everyone I talk to everywhere, the housing is just, it's getting insane. Alaska, Canada, down here, Mexico, USA, Europe, uh, no one can afford anything. It's just, then you have to wonder like, well, then someone's doing this intentionally. <laughs> no, what's happening up in, in Canada? Yeah, it's true that it is bad everywhere, but Canada was never really hit by the 2008 housing crisis. 
we sort of just doubled down on keeping the prices high and it's just been going crazy from there. So houses are three times overvalued uh, easily. There's a giant bubble in Canada and it's never really the correct time to say that the bubble's about to burst, right? Because the whole point of a bubble is those who benefit from it are trying to keep it uh, for as long as possible and, you know, play hot potato and keep the thing going. So, but what's happening right now that is interesting is that families are actually defaulting on their mortgages um, in a huge way across, especially in BC and in Ontario. And that's a huge red flag. Like if people, average people buy these homes for hundreds of, almost close to a million dollars. And then, you know, within a year or two before they even really get settled in, um, you know, there's such a problem. They can't afford the, the housing payments, the insurance, all that kind of stuff. And they're defaulting and then they're selling it for half that much, you know, to the next person. So that's a huge red flag. So the bubble might actually be bursting. And then I would put on top of that, what made it more interesting for me as a story is that uh, the Bank of Canada is doing a bunch of what they call securities repo operations. And what that is, is basically it's designed to inject liquidity into the banking system which is exactly what happened in the 2008 financial crisis. There was a shortage of liquidity as these banks were all scrambling to shuffle the money around and cover their losses as these people are defaulting. Um, so that's actually happening right now. The Bank of Canada is doing a lot of these repos, as they call it. And that's a, that's a sign internally that the Bank of Canada is worried that these banks are, are hitting the wall in terms of uh, covering their their debts and being able to to operate properly because there's so much invested in real estate it's just basically a replay of what's happening what happened in 2008 with lehman brothers and all that we're just waiting for the next shoe to drop uh and everywhere we, we read these types of situations as you just described in canada i mean i don't hear so much stuff like that here in mexico so it, it just seems more in the say western world canada usa different parts of europe um and so it's it's coming you know my next uh our guest is a financial expert bill holter and so you know he, I, he'll be able i think to speak a bit more to that um and then you know going to um you know i can't really think is anything else interesting going on in canada i, I it's i think that's about it no these days, not much else. There's there's more. There's, um, you know, the Canadian government said that it's going to try to work more closely with China. Um, that was kind of a strange thing to see is, is apparently they're doubling down on trying to cooperate. In, I don't know what it all means, um, but, you know, they're, they're committed now to teaming up with them at the same time that Taiwan, you know, just had their big election and got a candidate in there that, uh, was anti-Beijing. Canada seems to be doubling down on the idea that we need China to be our our good friend here. They're ones. They're one of the biggest factors driving up the cost of the housing in our country. Is the people fleeing China with millions of dollars that they can't spend there are trying to get into Canada? They buy up all the real estate for these ridiculous prices. No one even lives in these homes. They're just being bought by speculators from China, and you know. So there's a weird. A little circle going on there. Who knows? It's it's effectively a criminal laundering operation uh, that the Canadian government is supporting. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else is going on right now in Canada. Yeah, and turning back to the algorithm ghetto, um, there were some surprising pieces of news that came out. This one is in Italy, but again, you know, yesterday I covered a lot of biometric update news. Ethiopia, Ethiopia is going to uh, make digital ID mandatory. Uh, Sierra Leone is encouraging everyone to get digital ID. You know, probably in six months, a year, Sierra Leone's going to be like, guess what? Digital ID is now mandatory. China is continuing with DNA um, swab uh, tests. And, you know, LA is rolling out tens of thousands of, you know, they're, they're plugging in private home, you know, private business uh and, and public cameras into one system to monitor 
everyone and you've got this story in Italy it says Italy popular social media accounts to be treated as publishers face misinformation hate speech restrictions and what can be seen as an open clamp down against the freedoms and rights of social media influ influencers the Italian regulatory authority of telecommunications has announced that people with a following exceeding 1 million will now be legally considered as producers of audiovisual content within the law placing them on the same legal footing as publishers and so uh you know they say these people will then have to deal with misinformation or hate speech restrictions and so it's for me it's just this continued criminalization of thought um Terry you know maybe one day in the future if you deny the weather or you know you say something wrong about big pharma you go straight to jail uh your further thoughts yeah this is the, the idea that social media and being popular on social media uh ends up putting you in this control position where you need to be regulated as if you're a, one of these publishers very much echoes to me what happened in Canada with Bill C-11 where they said that major users and major platforms or even actually relatively small platforms um, that had a couple million people on them would be regulated as if they were uh you know by the same standards as the the major broadcasters and so yeah you that was about trying to force Canadian content onto there but then that means the content you know nobody even knows what these things mean right so Google just gave up uh having a news feed for Canadians uh if you try to use Google News it's like uh in search engines and things like that that I used in the past they just now say we don't have any news for you you have to do a regular search engine search for a news item if you want to find it because the the restrictions they put in like this in Canada made, made it so that the platforms just said we don't want to deal with it so we'll just not give Canadians access to these news feed options here it sounds like they are trying to regulate the hate speech and the opinions of people even more uh, which is even more dangerous potentially because it gets into the actual substance of the content and so I'd be uh, I'd be interested to see where that's going to go is people who are a popular content creator in Italy um, suddenly you're you're getting thrown into some wagon and getting hauled off and questioned um it's thought police and it's free speech censorship and uh you know this is going to tie into basically the fear I believe around 2024 and the chaos that's happening the more crazy things get the more evil their schemes get the more they need to censor us and control the conversation yeah and but I guess I don't have to worry about um that I'm nowhere near the million mark although you are you know slowly on your way on TikTok towards eventually getting one million but um what was the highest you you had gotten on TikTok followers uh it was around around uh, 220,000 and I was getting a couple thousand followers every week so yeah it was it was growing fast and I believe Bill C11 um I don't remember if this was taken out of the bill in the end, but there was the number 250,000, I believe, was the magic number somewhere in there that uh, if you had that many users, you were going to be fall under the, the bill or whatever. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, I was getting up there. You know, I might have been uh, on the list at some point. Hey, maybe someone did you a favor to get you out of harm's way it's it's time for our break wolfpox.com is the website the substack is winterchristian.substack.com we'll be right back with his expert analysis and opinion this is tnt radio's timothy shea surprise 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 well it comes as no surprise to anyone i'm not surprised are you i'm sure you're not surprised that Ray Epps, the agent provocateur that was urging people to not only enter the Capitol, but to oppose Capitol Police, has been sentenced to 100 hours of community service, a modest financial fine, and a year probation. People are screaming out that there's no justice in this world, and yes, congratulations, you figured it out. 
None of these criminals will ever be held responsible, at least on Earth. Unfortunately for them, I think that they're going to find out too late that ultimately there is accountability. We can only have faith that that is going to happen and all we can control is our own reactions. So stay frosty, patriots. Don't rise to the bait. Don't let them goad you into untoward actions. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. You're with Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Our final segment here with, with Terry Wolf of wolfpox.com. He's up in Canada. I'm down here in Mexico. It's uh, it's warm. I'm in my shorts and T-shirt, and he's freezing <laughs> to death uh, up there. Global boiling, right? It's the global boiling and getting back to the algorithm ghetto um another report here the tsa that's um out in the us at the airport security that that was created because of the 9-11 false flag uh the tsa plans big digital id push in 2024 uh they've got a four-part action plan released by the tsa uh, where they want to extend the mobile driver's license initiative and more widely utilize facial recognition technology in airports and yada 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 blah 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 terry i mean we we know it kind of gets boring no because we know the script we know the plan um you know face scans they want your ids now they want you to use the digital versions right the mobile driver's license real id uh, mobile passport uh, and your uh, my point here is, you know, for me, what's most interesting is the trend. Again, it's happening in all countries. Yesterday in India, um, Indian airports were without passengers' consent. They were just saying, uh, you know, sign here or we're going to scan your face. And most people do it. But a few people looked at the fine print and then said, you give consent for us to use your face in the facial recognition database for the Indian, gov Indian government or whatever. And it's like th they're all following the same plan. India. UK recently, Ireland, USA, Canada, and it's so it's it's the same plan being carried out in all nations, but like COVID was. It's so it's you know it's absolutely crazy. Your your yeah. further thoughts? What I what I like about uh, this this report on this is that it, or I guess the TSA probably has to say it, but it's all related to the executive order that was given in two, 2021. At the end of two thousand twenty one, Biden gave an executive order saying um, it's number 14058, transforming federal customer experience and service delivery to rebuild trust in government. That was the executive order. And so the whole point here, I'll read a little bit from it. It says, in recent years, the annual paperwork burden imposed by executive departments and agencies on the public has been in excess of 9 billion hours that number is too high. Agencies must work with Congress, the private sector, and nonprofit organizations, state, local, territorial governments, other partners to design experiences with the federal government that effectively reduce administrative burdens, simplify both public-facing and internal processes to improve efficiency, and empower the federal workforce to solve problems. Uh, and it says they must design and deliver services in a manner that all people can navigate, uh, they have to modernize it. So you can see how an executive order from Biden leads to this now, which is biometrics, because that's simple. You just walk up to a camera, 
a child can do it, an old person can do it. You don't need to know any language. You know, as you get these digital IDs, they they create a hellish, nightmarish bureaucracy of paperwork and inefficiencies and have extra agencies on top of extra agencies. It's not like the old days where you just you just had liberty and it was, you know, unless you were a threat, you were just free to go. They have to create this headache. And then the solution is to create biometrics and create this centralized automatic, probably eventually AI driven database where, you know, they can sort you and tag you and flag your account and social credits. And that will be the convenience uh, that solves the problem of this huge nightmarish beast that they've created to, um, you know, to take away the old liberty that we used to have. And so they can have it both ways. They create the problem because of, you know, 9-11 and these scary events. And then here's your solution. It's a, you get your iris scanned, put yourself in a database, and then now you're constantly tracked by, not by people. We're going to save 9 billion hours of, you know, paperwork. And isn't that great? Streamlining the tyranny absolutely crazy um getting your thoughts on the elections you know i found it interesting i uh vivek ramaswamy dropped out we've all heard plenty of his um talks so he talked the talk but again with a lot of these candidates there's always something strange going on and you know it was surprising yesterday he dropped out but as i said earlier um just a week ago he cashed out 33 million again some people point out why is it always the freemason numbers 33 you know <laughs> or whatever um <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I don't know if it was you that shared there was this, someone did this video um looking at his biotech company which was a scam apparently you know he was running some alzheimer drug and and um it was pumped and then dumped and then it's 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 just kind of too convenient that as soon as he cashes out 33 million he's like see you guys i'm off to retire on some island forget this whole presidential race although on the flip side you know his polling his numbers were low and trump is is, is going to be the guy for the republicans but you know you, your thoughts on vivek um trump and and anything else related to the elections well don't you kind of think that this is setting him up to be the, the possible running mate of trump i mean he was the only guy who basically didn't bash trump and Vivek was the only person that Trump didn't bash. They were actually the only two candidates who were kind of friendly with each other. I don't know, because he can't go with Mike Pence again. Um, you know, Mike Pence, according to QAnon, is a deep state traitor that is going to get, you know, cleared out with the rest of the swamp and whatever that narrative is. So, you know, Vivek being another private business uh, man, an entrepreneur, not a politician, teamed up with Trump, who likes to present himself the same way, Obviously, Vivek was was echoing a lot of Trumpisms and presenting himself as being, you know, just a better version of Trump. So I feel like because those two hadn't attacked each other at all, now he drops out and he endorsed Trump as he dropped out. I think at least on Vivek's side, it's an attempt to uh, to win favor with Trump, drop out. Now that the Iowa caucus or whatever has chosen Trump as their candidate and so there's this huge domination from trump he's dropping out to be polite and and uh, hoping i think to become the running mate i didn't think of that that's definitely a possibility um although i did seem trump was also not against never nikki neocon never neocon nikki haley uh as maybe being his um vp and whatnot oh. <laughs> But I guess we'll, we'll 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 see. Um, Bitcoin is also um, in the news. Larry Fink is is bullish on uh, Bitcoin. I had one of my listeners write me and say that that's proof that from the beginning, you know, it was a globalist sort of Trojan horse. Um, and you know, I I just feel like. I still feel like it is, uh, you know, I'm going to be uh, in a week or two on a Bitcoin podcast as a guest, and it just seems like they're going to have their CBDCs. They're trying to eliminate as much competition as possible, cash, other private crypto, um, what they can't eliminate. They're just going to co-op like maybe uh, Bitcoin, then they're going to introduce onus, uh, you know, tax 
reporting requirements as they just did for uh, crypto in the U.S. or taking down exchanges? Just, uh, you know, what are your thoughts when it comes to BlackRock, Larry Fink and uh, Bitcoin? Yeah, BlackRock's Larry Fink says that Bitcoin is like gold. Um, I mean, it's so after all these years of demonizing and and, you know, creating fear around Bitcoin. I love the theory that they were basically trying to drive down the price of Bitcoin um, in order to just for long enough that once they had a major supply of it, the, possibly the majority, you don't know how much Larry Fink owns in Bitcoin, um, you know, in these different uh, managers of financial wealth that are just beyond measure. Like he says that it, it emphasizes its role as a safeguard amid economic uncertainties. So, you know, if you understand the history of offshore bank accounts and the financial trusts in the city of London and these types of ways that the billionaires and the criminal elite are trying to protect their assets, um, I don't see any way that they're using Bitcoin unless it is a, a completely controlled environment. Um, and and they've got some sort of guarantees because people have just lost their USB drives. They've been hacked. It's not as secure as as the Bitcoin evangelists like to say. So uh, obviously they've got some sort of insight there that they're very comfortable now saying this out loud that it's like the new gold. Well, is it Dave Portnoy who just made a video on how he bought Bitcoin? He lost it. He bought. He put it somewhere, and then he thought it was in cash, and then he's like. I'm like that, you know, it's it's not easy. Yeah, you know, I'm afraid if I put it on some cold storage, I'll lose it or the device will become corrupted or you forget the password. It's just start, you know, gold or cash are easy. Uh, anyways, we're out of time, Terry. Uh, always great chatting. Wolfpox.com, winterchristian.substack.com. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me.